Welcome to the Student Manager, episode number seven. It's Fonger News here, Student Manager. We are doing the podcast with special guest Mia Matsunami, who just graduated Newport Harbor High School. Mia, what's up? What's up? I'm glad to be here. How glad are you? Very, very glad. Very excited. Okay, so when you got that text, Mm -hmm. what did you do? I was a little shocked that you were embarking on a podcast adventure, but I was all for it. So here I am. Yeah. You want to know what your mom said? What? She said, is this um, a new gig or did you quit your day job? (laughs) And as I always tell everybody, I do this for the love and the passion. You know me. You've Mm -hmm. known me for a while. uh Uh-huh. Yes. I love what? College. I love college. All things college. Everything, right? College Mm -hmm. sports, Mm -hmm. everything college. So we have the student manager. We got to thank our executive producer, Murph Carges. You know, you remember what band he's from? You've heard yes. some of his music. Yes, what, what I band? have. Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. I want to fly. So Mia, let's get right down to it. You are going to tell the audience where you're going. The University of Notre Dame. Fighting Irish. Go Irish. When do you leave? August 21st. School starts the 27th. Wow. Semester, right? Semesters. So do you even know what you're going to major in? Uh, funny question. I've already switched it. So I applied as a bio major and I already changed to pre-professional studies within the College of Science, which is like pre-med. Okay. So that's already over the top of my head. So let's slow down. So okay. your first major was bio. bio. So, and was it easy to transfer or change? You haven't even stepped foot on campus. I mean, clearly it was. And I think that's one good thing about Notre Dame is the flexibility that they offer because I think I want to pursue medicine at this point, but obviously that could change after certain classes that I'm scheduled to take in the next couple of years. So so what made you change? I felt like pre-professional studies was more of a general science degree, and I didn't want to limit myself to just biology. And I wanted a diverse set of classes, I guess. I wanted more physics and more math and more chems. So this way, I think I'm getting a broader range of and education, and hmm. I get to take classes from other schools too. So, so your freshman year, are you going to be taking classes already in that major, or is it kind of like GE general it's, ed? I have kind of a mix of both. I have a lot of it's science heavy, but I also have general classes. I have intro to psych, and Notre Dame has something called university seminars, which are smaller classes, so that and they're more discussion based, and it's so that you can meet other classmates and have interactive classes rather than just huge lecture halls. So that's nice. And unlike other schools, for example, and I, and we can get into this, did you even apply to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo? No, I didn't. All right. So for the audience and listeners out there, if you apply in a major, mm-hmm. you can't switch majors. Right. Right. I, I know. And that is definitely something I was considering because I'm 18. I don't know exactly what I want to do. And so it's nice that I can have the option to change. I can even change out of science if I decide I don't want to go into medicine. So so let's stay on that topic because I tell every student, we have conversations when we're not doing podcasts, and, I, and I'll tell a student, whatever you major in, most likely, unless it's like medicine or law, you're not going to do anything in your career with that major. Right. You, you start something and you finish something. So, wow, you've already changed your major. So did that, how did, how did that uh, go with your parents? I mean, obviously they were like, are you sure you want to do that? But I think college is a time to explore and diversify your interests. So I don't think I needed to be tied down right away to bio if I thought going in, that's not what I wanted to do. And it's super easy to change it up again. If I want to go back to biology, that's certainly an option. So, so you're talking these what I consider intelligent, high-level, smart classes. <laughs> Again, we are with special guest Mia Matsunami, Newport Harbor graduate, 4.59 weighted GPA, 4.0 unweighted GPA. Pretty impressive. Thank you. Going through high school, how hard was it, how competitive was it to keep those grades up? I mean... It was definitely challenging, but I'm not one to back away from a challenge. And it was definitely me who was the one. Honestly, my parents were like, you shouldn't be taking all those classes. You're going to be so consumed with your academics. But it was me who was like, I want a challenge. I want to work hard. And I think 
I took, looking back, I think I took an appropriate amount of hard classes. Maybe I could have cut back on one or two, but I enjoyed the classes that I took. And I think that was the most important part. So let's give my audience a little in-depth. When you say you enjoyed those classes, Mm -hmm. you think you took uh, the right amount of AP classes. I'm looking at this right now. I don't need to rattle them off. Why don't you tell the audience your curriculum and your rigor of classes at Harbor to get you to where you are today? Okay, so I'll start in chronological order, I guess. So freshman year, we're not allowed to take advanced placement classes, which I think is a good thing because I think the transition from middle school to high school is already difficult enough. So that is generally considered the easy year in high school. And I think that's kind of universal wherever you go. And then sophomore year, I took two AP classes and I had some honors classes thrown in there because I was on the enhanced math track and we have Common Core here. So it's a little bit different than private schools. And then junior year is when I really started challenging myself the most. And I was in six APs junior year. And that was definitely the most challenging year. I'm not going to lie. I was up pretty late studying most weeknights. But I got through it. And then senior year, I was in five APs. And that honestly was almost more of a test than junior year because trying to balance college apps and classes is was difficult and I I'm sorry to all the people listening who have heard that senior year is a breeze it can be but if you're for you it wasn't it wasn't and if you're looking to continue to challenge yourself and push yourself with the college apps it's definitely it's hard but you get used to it so let's talk about that. If I just did the calculation, you said six AP classes your junior year, mm-hmm. five AP classes your senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at your AP scholar distinction, which is an average of 3.5 or higher on all the AP exams, right? So mm-hmm. the AP exams you had, and then you scored three or higher on five five more of the exams, mm-hmm. right? So AP, you had AP biology, mm-hmm. AP English. Mm-hmm. AP Computer Science, AP World History. She's mm-hmm. nodding her head. Yes. Yes. I AP am. Biology. Oh, hence all the biology and the science mm-hmm. stuff. I had a lot of math and science. AP US History. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's why now it's all coming together. No, actually, it's not coming together. <laughs> Since I've known you, by the way, Mia Matsunami like is a next door neighbor, but we did things as families and Mm -hmm. she's always studying every time I've seen you always (laughs) studying working hard late at night that balance let's talk about that because you have Mm -hmm. some listeners here some parents you might have Murph Carr just has a sophomore and junior right Murph executive producer (laughs) I'm there shaking his head your social life at Newport Harbor High School Mm -hmm. how did you balance that or did you have a social life be honest uh it was hard to balance I'm not gonna lie Junior year, I didn't have much time to do anything besides school, and that's one of my regrets is I wish I was able to do more, but it just – I wouldn't have been able to keep up, I don't think, and that's just a reality, and it's kind of a choice that you have to make and decide what you want to prioritize in high school, and it's hard as a 16, 17-year-old figuring out what you want to do, but that's what I chose, and I think the way I set myself up now – I got into a great school and I'm still going to be working hard, but now I'm in a place where I can enjoy myself and have fun next year. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's great insight. When you say you kind of regret, if you look back on it now, your Mm -hmm. junior year or even your sophomore year, what would you tell parents out there, even students listening, what would you do differently? Uh, Probably I would just say I would balance work on balance a little bit more because I had 10 I mean I know this is a cliche but I was definitely a perfectionist and I wanted every single assignment that I turned in every homework paper everything I wanted to be done correctly and perfectly and I think if I had taken a little bit of the pressure off of myself I truly don't think the result would have been any different you know if I had gotten a few less points on a certain project it wouldn't have made Did it a difference. Ma- at the it, end of the day, do you think it mattered? No. And I wish I wasn't as hard on myself, but I think it's part of my personality to 
be that way and I think I'll always probably be that way a little bit but I don't think you know a few percentage points lower of an A would have impacted the schools that I got into in the long run so that is what I would say is don't put too much pressure on yourself and don't think that it's the end of the world if there's one grade that you have or one assignment that you don't do your best it's really not the end of the world and everything happens and works out how it's supposed to well for an 18 year old what you just hit on it's very true i tell people that all the time what if it's meant to be like mm -hmm. it's all going to work out mm -hmm. so you just gave great insight of it's probably wasn't going to make a big difference mm -hmm. right even if you're 11 ap classes if you're out there you could have taken nine right eight i'm sure i could have and right? i i don't doubt that i wouldn't i still think i would have gotten into notre dame i think it's the type of school that they don't they don't want the smartest kid or the most athletic kid they want the best kid so well-rounded right they want someone who's gonna make an impact on society and change the world for the better they don't want someone who's just gonna be out there for themselves you know so speaking of that, I just had this conversation yesterday with uh, some adults talking about college. We're talking about ACT scores and mm -hmm. GPA, and I said, at the end of the day, I don't think college admissions, and we're, we're going to have some admission counselors on here, because mm -hmm. I've talked to some, that, that say, hey, we're only looking at the ACT or the, the, the rigor, the schedule, no. the GPA. Because, for example, at Notre Dame, there's probably in your freshman class a 1,000 uh, that all are like yourself in terms of GPA, right. ACT. Oh, yeah, they advertise that. They say, I, I think it's 90 plus percent of their students are in the top 2% of their class. So so what separates Mia Matsunami? Let's talk about your essay mm -hmm. because that, I think, is an important avenue in right. terms of the college process. And maybe my listeners out there, students, that are thinking about it like, oh, I gotta write an essay for the Common App or what? Right. How many essays did you write? Let's talk about that. Oh, several. And I would say the most frustrating part of college essays and college applications were that each, so each school has a supplement and every school's supplement was a little bit different than the last. So you always would have to, you would think, oh, I can just throw this essay in and it would work perfectly, but you'd always have to make a couple tweaks and then that turns into redoing pretty much the whole essay. So that was frustrating, but I would definitely say my biggest advice for the essay part would be to just be genuine and honest because I think they can, readers can see through people who are elaborating stories or making things up to pull out heartstrings of a reader. But if you're open and genuine and true to yourself and what you stand for, I think that's the most authentic way to write the essays and that's what impresses the readers the most. So your essay, what was your main story? What was the theme, the story? Because uh, you know my daughter, Sophia. Mm -hmm. she, she, I think she's a good writer. She was writing essays. Um, Julie, is, uh, she's thinking about her essays right now. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. It's you so gotta, hard. How did you separate yourself? What was your story? So for my, I have a really close relationship with my grandpa, my poppy, as I call him. And so my main essay on my common app was about that relationship and about what he's taught me. And it was 100% me and honest. And I, there wasn't a word in there that I didn't mean. And I sent it to him. I wanted to wait until after I had chosen my schools. And I just sent him a text and I was like, hey, when you get a chance read this essay, this is what got me into Notre Dame. And it made him cry, which made me super emotional because I know that what I said in there was honest and I meant it and it was almost an ode to him. So that I think was a strong point of my application, that essay itself. And that's what gets sent to every school, no matter where you apply. So that one definitely is the most important. I would take the most time on that to formulate a solid idea. See, that's something new. You find out new things. That's something new I just found out about Mia. <laughs> so what was the one thing that Poppy taught you? One or two things that had impact um, on who you are today? Multiple. I So he is Lebanese, and, so, and he has a huge family, 15 siblings. And so that dynamic and the relationship that he has with all of his siblings and all of his family members is something that 
I strive to replicate in my own life. And just his his wisdom, he was a principal for a really long time at the elementary school in the neighborhood. And he lives in Connecticut, so it's a super small town called Wyndham. And everyone adored him. And he just always knows how to make my day. We exchange phone calls every day about, you know, what was going on, yada, yada. And so it's just our relationship that I treasure most and what he's taught me through life is so inspiring. So So all the universities, how many schools did you apply Mm -hmm. to? 13, I believe, was my final count. So those 13 schools have that essay on Poppy. Yes. Amazing. Let's talk about those 13 schools. Thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing that. Again, with me and Matsunami, guest speaker, Newport Harbor. Uh, We haven't even gotten into your athletic career. (laughs) We're going to get there. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different story on that one. Okay, because right now we're talking, the goal is obviously to help students and, and parents, you know, with the college experience, the admission process, the Mm -hmm. research process. Tell my audience, did you have stretch schools, moderate schools, and fallback schools? We always talk about this with Mm -hmm. our guests. What were your stretch schools? So I would say... Well, actually, I'm going to interrupt you. You probably didn't have any stretch schools with (laughs) your grades. I did. Let's talk about them. Okay, the thing with the college admission process before and after and during even, and I still say this now, is it is so random. And just because you think you're not qualified or just because you think you are qualified does not guarantee or not guarantee you admission into a school. It's honestly is so random and I cannot explain the reason. I'll use myself as an example. I cannot explain how I got into Northwestern, which is a top, 10 school in most people's eyes and didn't get into Michigan. I don't, I just don't know. So it's random and you can't be too disappointed or put all of your eggs in one basket into thinking, this is where I want to go. This is where I see myself because you just never know. That's great advice because I tell parents that, students that, my kids that, you, you out of the schools you applied to, there's probably one school that you got into that you didn't think you were going to get into Mm -hmm. and one school that you thought you were going to get into Mm -hmm. did not get into. Right. Right. So was that Michigan and Northwestern? I I think I would use those two. Yeah. I didn't expect myself to get into Northwestern and Michigan. I, and I worked, I think we were going to touch on this later, but I worked with a college counselor and she had pretty much assured me, you'll get into Michigan. Like that will be, no problem. And turns out I ended up waitlisted and and I didn't show much interest in Michigan. So I think that could have been part of it. But again, it's all speculation. You never know. And when you say, I want to touch on something because we, mm-hmm. we have a lot to talk about. When you say showed interest. Mm-hmm. Very important. Be specific because I'm trying to teach. Well, I know Sophia with my daughter, mm-hmm. we did that show interest with her school, UW, mm-hmm. and Julia, we're doing that right now. Mm-hmm. But tell the audience what show interest is. Visiting the school, I would say, is number one. And not just visiting the school, but going on an official tour. Because there were campuses that my mom and I just walked around, and that is not the same as registering through the school. Because when you register for an official visit, they will start sending you emails and mailings, and that's what's important is keeping contact and letting the school know from early on that you're interested because I do think places take that into consideration and I think Notre Dame definitely did and if I'm getting into a little bit of a tangent here but how I first got interested in Notre Dame was in sixth grade I had a pen pal who was a freshman at Notre Dame. Tell Mm -hmm. the story. And so we'll fast forward seven years later and we're still writing and she's obviously graduated Notre Dame but that was one of my essays, I wrote about how I've always had Notre Dame in the back of my mind because of this relationship that I formed with my pen pal. And so having stories like that or things that you can associate with the school and tell them that I think is super important. But definitely visiting campus, going to the, a lot of times admission reps will come to your high school. Definitely go to those, sign up for lists, emails, and that shows a school that you're really serious about going. And I'm going to touch on that because 
th that's exactly the process that Sophia did um, with UW. How many times did you visit Notre Dame? Twice. Twice. And not only registering officially because they do track mm -hmm. that, yes. but how do, do you know the West Coast or California admissions recruiter at Notre Dame that you kept in touch with? I So he came to my high school and I didn't ever reach out to him personally, but I did introduce myself when he came to visit. And then we also have in our area at the OC Fair, there was a college and career night. And so every year I would go up to the Notre Dame booth and reintroduce myself and talk about myself. And what you did is very key. And what I would add for the followers and listeners uh, that are out there mm -hmm. is reach out to that admission counselor. Uh, the name, you might remember this name because I think you visited UW as well. Mm -hmm. Joseph Franco is the West Coast California right. admissions director. Yeah. And we, Sophia kept on writing mm -hmm. him emails, even if it was a question. Mm -hmm. And it's important because it just keeps your name in their minds so that when they get to your application, they're like, oh, I know this person's interested because they reached out. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. They're recruiting you as well as you're recruiting right. them. So, right. And I just be assertive because I'm sometimes I'm not the most assertive, but if it makes the difference in getting you into your dream school, if that's what you want to call a certain place, it doesn't hurt. So let's go back on that. Is Notre Dame, is that the dream school that you wanted to go to? From day one so i have never had a true number one dream school i don't think now that i'm going to notre dame and looking back on everything that i've gone through and all the numerous schools i've considered going to i would say it's always been in the back of my mind as one of my top choices because i've known about it for the longest i've known i was going to apply there since sixth grade when i started writing to my pen pal i wouldn't say at any point during the application process, I was like, this is it. Like I for sure want to go here. And I, I think that's important because I don't think having a true number one, it's just so risky because like I said earlier, you don't know if it's going to work out. And if you keep an open mind, you're going to be much happier when you get the acceptance from a school that you were considering, you know, so. So what other campuses did you visit? I uh, several. I the schools that I were was strongly considering that I visited were Northwestern, UW, uh, UCLA, USC. I never actually went to Cal. I did get into Cal, but I never visited um, Boston College. I also visited Tufts and Vanderbilt, and I'm trying to think of where else. I went on a lot of tours. Honestly, some of them started to blur together. And I, oh, I would say- We forgot say, about one. Butler University but, in Indianapolis. Yes, I never actually visited, but Bulldogs, I mean, they have a good basketball team. Mia, you just know the right things to say to me, don't you? <laughs> Hinkle Fieldhouse, epic, classic, <laughs> iconic arena. I was hoping you would go there. That was like the yeah. first, I knew that was you weren't the first, going there, but that was the first school that you got accepted it to. It was because I applied to Stanford Restrictive Early Action, which if you don't know what that is, it basically means you can't apply to any other private schools early. So that kind of limited where I could apply early. And so my counselor was like, you know, just to be safe, I mean, I'm sure you'll get in places down the road, but it's always good to have somewhere right from the get-go so that you know you're at least going to college. And so Butler was that school. So I want to backtrack. Mm -hmm. If you would have gotten into Stanford early mm -hmm. action, yes or no, would you have gone there? No. So then why did you do early action? I don't know. And that that's, I don't have an answer to that. I wish I could tell you. I think in my mind at the time, a year ago, I was thinking this is going to be the most challenging school to get into out of everywhere that I'm applying. And so maybe by chance, if I apply early, it'll increase my chances of getting in. But truthfully, I don't think I ever saw myself there. Why not? Uh, again, the competitiveness thing. And I wanted something different. Not that Stanford is super close to home, but I wanted you know a change in weather, a change in pace, a change in people. And so I think... You didn't want to be the next Elizabeth Holmes no, from Theranos? No, unfortunately, that was not in my five-year, 10-year plans. <laughs> so 
I. By the way, that's a podcast. We were just is. having we're that conversa- just, we're conversation. We just talking about that. That was kind of a random anecdote, but it's relevant. Um, yeah, I just I just wanted something different, and so. So you did early action. Mm-hmm. Stanford yes. got rejected. Yes. Did you get rejected in any other schools? Yes. Michigan? I did. It's part of it. Yeah, Michigan. Okay. I didn't get into Duke, Georgetown, and Princeton. All right. So, and why I have this podcast, obviously, I've been on 125 campuses. Mm-hmm. Been to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Been to Duke. Been to Vanderbilt. Been to Northwestern. I think you said Princeton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a take on all those colleges, but I want my followers and listeners to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, because we're going to, Notre Dame obviously is the campus you're going to. Right. But you picked Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that. You picked mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Take away the, the dream school, the academics. What did you like right. about the campus? Yeah. So I had a lot of great options at the end of the day once I had heard back from everywhere. And it was hard for me because I was thinking, you know, this is going to be the next four years and honestly life because college goes beyond four years. It's kind of you're joining the alumni network and everything. And I went back and visited Notre Dame for the Admitted Students Weekend. And for me, what sold it was the sense of community and the camaraderie Mm -hmm. between all the students. Everyone wants you to succeed there. And I think that's unique because I think at a lot of campuses nowadays, there is kind of a cutthroat nature and it's just fact of the matter, you know, uh, but at Notre Dame, it's not like that at all. And so that is what sold me and just how great the people are. And obviously the campus is beautiful sports. I'm a big sports, sports fan, as you know, so sports were a big thing and it just felt right. And I just felt like it was a place for me. The alumni network is great. Don't take this the wrong way. I always mm-hmm. tell people, you'll know when someone either went to Notre Dame or Georgetown or Stanford mm-hmm. because they will tell you they're, they graduated from there. Yeah. You know. Right. I know. And is, I guess I'll be joining that. Is that going to be you in four years? I, it might be. I don't know. But I, I mean, I all the time I'm walking around and I see people in Notre Dame shirts, Notre Dame hats, and there's you're always finding someone who knows someone. So let's talk about the campus because it's changed. I've been there mm-hmm. twice. When I went there my very first time, they didn't have the hotel on campus. Right. They didn't have the ice arena on campus. Right. Uh, they didn't have the, I think, Joyce Center. They t- didn't renovate Joyce Center yet. That's the basketball mm-hmm. arena. And they didn't have the new recreation center attached to Touchdown Jesus or the football mm-hmm. stadium. Tell me what you saw. You could tell my audience. Give the visual of the right. facilities, the new buildings. What's going on on the campus in South Bend? Okay. So if you haven't been to South Bend, which I truthfully don't blame you. I don't think it's a tourist uh, destination. The city revolves around Notre Dame. We just got a booklet, and on a normal day in South Bend, there are 12,000 people, and on a football weekend, there are 120,000 people, and that is not an exaggeration. It is crazy. She's not lying, because we drove from Chicago, right? and that's where we stayed, yeah. and every, there's not a lot of, I don't know, is there a lot of places to stay now, or... There's... Not- only for football. That's the thing. It's like you can, you, if you want to go to South Bend on a random day in April, I mean, you can have a hotel room for not that much. And you want to come in September when we're playing SC or whoever it may be. I mean, if you want to pay $600 for a hotel room for not that great of a, a place, I mean, that's just how it works. But I, going back to the question, because we got on a little bit of a tangent, um, it's, I would say it has more of a gothic architecture style and the main building, which you've probably seen in pictures, has the huge gold dome. There's a lot of other historical parts in Notre Dame. Touchdown Jesus, which you've said a few times, it's a big mural on the library of Jesus and he kind of looks like he's holding up a field goal. So that is kind of an iconic part of Notre Dame architecture. But yeah, there are a lot of new... Football, I believe, just got a new indoor facility. There's the new student center attached to the football field. So they're definitely... And the hall that I'm in, actually, is fairly new. So they're doing... They're building it up. And it's not as big as a school as most people think because it has such a strong alumni network. I think everyone assumes it's a huge campus, but there are only 8,000 undergrads, so... 
And I've seen pictures. We had some friends at Notre Dame uh, during the fall or even when it's snowing. Mm-hmm. You, right in the middle, the, the quad, like the little grass area quad between quad. where you yes. guys you guys will throw frisbees. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. Um, Greek life. I know yes. you told me about it before because I don't know if it's something that you're considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but expand on that for those that don't know what Notre Dame Greek life is because there isn't yeah. one there. Right. So Notre Dame is definitely different. Uh, they do not have any Greek life. But basically what they have as a substitute for that is residential life. So most students stay, they have a three-year requirement to stay on campus. Uh, Most end up staying for the fourth just because of the way it's set up. And your, so freshman year, it's another thing you need to know, Dame, is you are randomly assigned your roommate, your room, and your hall. And your hall pretty much becomes your sorority or fraternity. So you associate... Even after you graduate, the first the joke is the first question someone will ask you is what year did you graduate and what hall you were in? Because that becomes your identity on campus and all of the events on campus are done through your hall. So each hall has a separate activity. They have a mascot. So it's really cool because there's not that pressure of Greek life, but you're already involved in a community within your hall. Hmm. Good to know. So... Since you've had the experience of visiting other campuses, I, I do want to share with my audience some things you like, some things you did not like. Mm-hmm. So almost a rapid fire, because I told you I wasn't going to do it, mm-hmm. but uh, with time running on this podcast short, I do want to, I, I, there's some other things I want to talk to you about, mm-hmm. but Michigan, what did you like? What did you not like? I never actually visited Michigan. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, I, I, okay, here's my take on this. I'm making it not rapid fire. I'm sorry. I felt like when I visited certain campuses, I either felt it or I didn't. And Vanderbilt was one where I honestly don't even think I could tell you why. I just, it didn't feel like the right fit for me. And Nashville's an awesome city, but. Why? I mean, there's a lot to do. Downtown was fun, but when you're not 21, it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, and my friend, uh, our other guest had a fake, I won't mention the name, but a Mm -hmm. fake ID taken away at a bar in Nashville Nashville visiting. Yeah. So yeah, so I don't I don't know how strict they are. Oh, in Nash Vegas, I lo- and we uh, some of my future guests, they're twin sisters mm-hmm. that went to Vanderbilt on a track scholarship, did not like it, hated it. South transferred to Cal. There'll there'll be some upcoming guests. Those are the Raiden sisters, and giving them props already out there. <laughs> um, UW, Washington, I mean, that is. UW was a beautiful campus. The I went in the spring, and so the trees were in bloom. I honestly really liked UW. Is there anything you did not like? Uh, it was a little big I want, in terms of population size. I wanted something a little bit smaller because I don't want to be lost among thousands and thousands of kids. So Washington is a big school. You can make a big school. I always tell my audience, mm-hmm. you can make a big campus a small school, but you can't make a small school true. a big campus. Very true. And at Washington, mm-hmm. you would have done honors correct possibly um i and i'm telling the audience honors program right which you may want to expand on right yeah so it's it was a separate program within washington where you would take classes just with other honors students and that was of interest to me but i had just applied to the regular uw and yeah, I mean, Sophia is going to have a great time there. I, Seattle's an awesome city. Sophia, Maybe, as in my daughter yes, she's referring to. Yes. Um, I mean, hopefully I can go visit. They have a decent football team too, so. They do. They, they will compete in the Pac-12 in the North well, against who Oregon. who they compete against though in the Pac-12 because uh, it's kind of lacking in yeah, talent. And that's a whole nother episode in itself. We <laughs> could talk. Maybe, maybe when you come back, during mm-hmm. the break because mm-hmm. you'll have experienced the semester mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. And you also are thinking about going to one of my favorite campuses, right? In September, maybe? Go Irish, go Irish, go Irish. Beat she's, the dogs. She's talking about that September 20th date. Notre Dame gets a rematch against the University of Georgia in Athens, already sold out. I can't mm-hmm. be there. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a day I told you 
Mm-hmm. And you said, We what? have a little bit of a bet riding on that game, I think. We do. Yeah, for graduation, for context, he uh, wrote me a card with a little score prediction, and I think it was a little bit unfair. So, do you remember the score? I think you said 27 21 in favor of Georgia, but I think I'm going to flip that and do a little whiteout action and put. Uh, Notre Dame 27, Georgia 21. So here we are on episode number seven. We can always rewind and mm-hmm. re-listen to it Okay. after that September. Okay. I mean, it's not too game. far away now. It's not. It's like within a month away. Yeah. Let's get back on the theme because you interviewed with Georgetown, correct? Yes. You had an interview or you went through that process. Mm-hmm. And was Georgetown, you got accepted there. I didn't. You, Okay, so see, she did not get accepted to yes. Stanford, did not get accepted mm-hmm. to Michigan, did not get accepted to mm-hmm. Georgetown. For those parents out there listening, a 4.59 <laughs> student, 33-34 ACT got rejected at those <laughs> yeah, schools. It happens. it happens. It happens. It does. And you can't cry about it. I mean, it is what it is. And I got into a lot of other great schools that I considered very strongly and- when you don't get in it, just honestly, it makes your decision that much easier because you have one less to consider. So, If you're giving any of my audience, students, parents advice on colleges to apply to, did you feel that that was the right number? Yeah, I thought it was a good – I mean, honestly, I think I could have even applied to a few less because there were schools like USC, to be honest. I You were never going to go there if you in. got in. Right. I got in and I was like, well, that's great but I would have never gone there. So definitely don't apply to schools that you, I don't see, I don't know why I did it in the first place, but don't apply to schools that you don't see yourself going to because at the end of the day, again, it just makes your decision more complicated. Um, So I would stay away from that. Boston College. That was another one where I applied, I got in, and I think I actually would have liked the school, but I never visited because I was afraid that, again, it would just make my decision harder because I already knew that Notre Dame and Northwestern were kind of my top two. And I was considering going out to look at Boston College while I was in Boston for the Boston Marathon, but I just didn't want to make the decision harder on myself. So Very smart. So that's great advice because I'm dealing that with my senior daughter now. She said, why am I going to apply there? I'm not, if I get in, I'm not going there. Don't apply. Right. That would so be my just, advice. Yeah. Just don't do it. Northwestern. What did you like? What mm-hmm. did you not like? I liked the proximity to Chicago because I think they had a lot of opportunities for students who wanted internships or jobs or whatever they wanted. Um, so the access to Chicago was great. I didn't like the fact that it was everyone there is very hyper focused on academics and on bettering themselves. I found that it was more of a much more of a competitive environment, and that's not something I wanted. I wanted a place where everyone you know could be friends, and that didn't seem to be the case at Northwestern. And I also so I was kind of unique in the fact that I was considering doing sports, uh, running to be specific, Um, but I was not dead set on it either way, and Northwestern was an option for me to run there, but I ultimately decided not to run, and I think we'll be maybe getting into that in a little bit, but yeah, so I think those were the main draws for me. I remember when you came back from that Northwestern trip, Mm -hmm. I said, phenomenal campus, facilities, Mm -hmm. you love the facilities, your mom was texting me pictures. Yeah, she loved it almost more than I did. And and I want to hit on something Mm -hmm. because parents, did you ever feel pressure from your parents throughout this process, not only in high school, Mm -hmm. but... But now, you know, the col- when you're a senior, what colleges to mm-hmm. go to? Yeah. Because every guest I've had on here, and we've talked about the pressure from not only peers, but mm-hmm. from parents as well. Expand on that. Mm-hmm. So my parents did not pressure me academically. Honestly, it was self-imposed because I was the one pushing myself to do better in this and that. Um, in terms of colleges, obviously, my dad went to UCLA, so he was – obviously pushing for UCLA uh, because, and my mom wouldn't have been opposed because it's close to home, but they didn't pressure me 
as much as I think some other parents do. It, again, was more pressure on myself. But I think there is definitely a competitive environment within high school, within peers, just because everyone knows. Obviously, we're all friends and we're all working together to try to get to college, but at the same time, everyone knows that at the top schools, if you want to call them that, there are very limited spots given to each school, you know? Correct. I mean, there's no quota. Don't get me wrong. There there aren't schools that are like, we're only taking two kids from Newport Harbor and two kids from Modern Day. That's not how it works at all. But for the most part, there's only going to be one person that's going to get into a top school, you know? So that, I think, wasn't the back of people's minds Mm -hmm. so it fosters not the greatest environment but at the same time I think everyone knows you know especially during the process when we were all hearing back from schools everyone was in it together because everyone was getting rejections and everyone was getting acceptances so it was like you could relate completely and wholeheartedly to what other people were going through that's good insight and I know we're running up against the time and we might have to talk about this on the uh, the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna actually just take a look at my executive producer because I do wanna get into the track and cross country. We're good, this is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> so let's talk about Northwestern. Yes. You almost went, first, before mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna tee this up even better. Okay. Okay, cross country four years, varsity at Newport Harbor, mm-hmm. varsity captain, junior and senior year, you were like Sunset League MVP, CIF finalist your sophomore year. Uh, You did track and Mm -hmm. competitive. Like you Mm -hmm. are, I remember that time we ran a race, that 5K in Fashion Island, you were like in the fifth or sixth grade. Oh, yeah, I was young. Yes. Spirit Run. Yes. And I just, I actually just ran my first half marathon last weekend. That's that's right, in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. How did you. you do? Uh, pretty well, a lot faster than I expected. I ran a 123, which is 620 pace, I believe it was, 621 pace. So Dang. It, a lot faster than I was expecting, but it was super fun. And I think that might be my new distance. So was there a, a all-league competitive mm-hmm. Newport Harbor? Mm-hmm. What were the, what were you thinking? Like, right. do you want to yeah. run as a walk-on or mm-hmm. a scholarship yeah. in, at the collegiate level? Yeah. I have a lot to say about this, I think, because I I think a lot of people who are into sports are like, I know I want to do my sport in college, or I know I don't want to do my sport in college. And I, the whole time, was kind of wishy-washy because I love to run, and I genuinely think it's fun, and a lot of people would argue with me who are non-runners, but I enjoy going out for runs. What I didn't like was the competition. I liked the competition within myself, you know, pushing myself to do better, but I would always get so nervous before meets and races and training. And so for me, I ultimately decided, first, you can't let other people influence you because there were so many people, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who still come up to me and are like, oh, are you running in college? And I feel like I I have to give the same answer every time, but so many people, were pressuring me to do it because they're like, you can't throw away your talent. You can't, you know, waste it. You need to run in college. And I ultimately made the decision for myself that I wanted time in college to pursue other things, you know, to join clubs, to focus on my academics, to have fun, to go to other sports uh, games. So for me, I just wanted a little bit of a break. And as much as people told me I was making a mistake or whatever, I still think it was the right decision. And it's not that I'm not gonna stop running, I'm gonna keep running. I just won't be doing it competitively anymore. And she's dead on because this morning, I saw her up early (laughs) running at eight o'clock and I thought to myself, I go, she loves to run. Mm -hmm. But you hit on something because A, you felt the pressure from other people, Mm -hmm. peers, and, coaches and it's not their life no you want to do what you want to do mm-hmm. and it sounds like you are looking forward to going to Notre Dame having that college experience mm-hmm. right and I, I think I mean some people might be able to pull it off but I think if you're a division one athlete 
it's a much different experience than if you're not because you're a lot of your time is consumed by your sport and by travel and by training. Yes. So for me personally, I just didn't think that was, you know, because I knew and know that I'm not going to be a professional runner. So in my head, I was like, what would the point of competing for four, like what would be the point? What would happen? Like there wouldn't be some remarkable transformation, I don't think. I was, so that was kind of where I was thinking, where my head was at. And I was like, I think I should just enjoy these four years. And that's great to hear because as a former student manager, Mm -hmm. anything, I was not an athlete, but I was involved in a program. Mm -hmm. It's a full-time job. It is. The hours and the commitment. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming with cross country and track because I was Mm -hmm. up early Mm -hmm. before classes started. Mm -hmm. We had to work our schedule around to be at the gym, practicing by one. We we were coming back to dorms, eating dinner while the dorms was shut down and they had food just for the basketball players. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong though. There are perks. And if you know you want if you know you're a good athlete and you want to pursue athletics go for it because i think it's a really unique experience and it's really awesome if you can get to do it and play division 1 sport but for me it just doesn't seem like the right thing were you if you would have attended northwestern was that going to mm-hmm. be a uh, preferred walk on without financial aid was there any money yeah that- there was a little bit of scholarship so at northwestern i had some scholarship money at Notre Dame, I would have been a walk-on. And I did meet with the Notre Dame coach. I just, again, I just didn't feel like it was right for me. So. And your times in high school would have qualified to at least be a walk-on at Notre Dame mm-hmm. and to be uh, with Northwestern. D1 yes. track program, a little mm-hmm. monies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know what, Mia? At the end of the day, you may get there, right? Right. I, you never know. And still go knock on the door. Right. I mean, I'm totally keeping that. I think that's the whole thing with college is keeping an open mind and not subjecting yourself to a certain path because it's the time to explore your options. And if I get there and I miss running and I decide like maybe this is maybe I shouldn't have stopped doing it, then you never know. Maybe I'll be sitting here in this chair in a year and I'll be on the team. I don't know. That could be true. Very true. And if there's any recommendation advice, it seems like you're very... You're thinking about the future and mm-hmm. and what you're going to do after you graduate college. It's the same thing with these coaches that you know, like mm-hmm. at Nor- especially at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. My recommendation is when you step foot on that campus, check in, say hi. Mm-hmm. Let them know yeah. you're there because you never know right. what might happen. Yeah. Right? Especially if you love running. Definitely. Yeah. Right? Um, interesting. Is there any... Thing you'd like to share with the audience uh, and my followers, uh, because you do have a, a unique story, not mm-hmm. only academically, but you were a very good high school runner that could have run in college, mm-hmm. but you've made the decision not to, so mm-hmm. you can have that well-balanced um, high school life. And, it, and I want to touch on something, because you said competitively, you're very competitive internally. Mm-hmm. What, was it, and I've kind of experienced, because... If you want to touch on it, we mm-hmm. looked at your results after high school, sophomore, your junior year. Were you injured? Yeah. Because uh, I think you went through an injury. Mm-hmm. Was it walk through that mental so, process and what yeah, you did not and like? Ag- again, that was part of the reason why I decided not to run. Because with all sports, I think recruiting happens junior year, um, at least for running. So the times that you produce junior year are what are used for recruiting. And that's when you go on all the official trips and everything. And I missed my entire junior season because of a stress fracture in my femoral neck. And the timing was unfortunate because at that time, I probably would have told you that I was more strongly considering running. But I think at the end of the day, it was a blessing in disguise because it led me to where I'm at now. And I have a lot more clarity in what I'm deciding to do. But yeah, I missed my entire junior year and injuries happen. It's just part of playing high school sports and it was a bummer, but I came back for my senior season and I think that was important to do, to kind of finish out. And 
So people are listening. Where was the injury specifically? Because you just used one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) My femoral neck, honestly, who even knew that that bone existed? Um, Where is it? It's basically... She's showing me right now. It's across the top of your leg. I don't see... I don't even know how to describe it. It's... It kind of cuts across... Above your thigh? Yeah. It's all the way up here, kind of attached to your hip bone, and then comes down across your thigh. And so it was odd. It, like who you know people were like a stress fracture in your femur but i was like no so you're out that. your whole junior year mm-hmm. let me ask you this because i've i've this was me being a sideline reporter to my wife i go do you think she peaked too early mm-hmm. do you think she matured too early with your times your freshman mm-hmm. and sophomore year at do, harvard do i think yes that? actually no because i i do know people who have been running since elementary school. And I think a lot of times those girls, girls in particular, it's hard with female runners because a lot of times when you overtrain when you're young and then you hit puberty, it your body just can't adjust. Um, and I know girls who had been running for a really long time and plateaued. And I, I didn't really start running until ninth grade because I truthfully hated it. Um, my mom forced me to do some runs and I was like this is pointless I want to keep playing soccer but I don't think I did I think the injury I I was training hard I was gonna have a good year I knew I was just because of the miles and the pace that I was logging but Mm -hmm. it just happened and I it kind of snowballed because I ended up with some other things when I was coming back rehabbing PT and everything but yeah, I, I I don't think I did. And things do happen for a reason. Mm-hmm, they do. They it seems like you're ready to go, and mm-hmm. in less than three weeks out to Notre yep. Dame. Yes. And the next time you're back here, we might be having a different conversation. You're going to be sharing. We could do rapid fire on places to go. Places. places See, to... there aren't a ton of places to go in South Bend that I know of right now. Okay. So, I think I'll have kind of the lay of the land. Not, I mean, it won't take very long to go everywhere nearby. So, well, Mia Matsunami, it's been a pleasure having you as my guest. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to following your career uh, academically and potentially. Mm-hmm. If, uh, well, even if it's not Notre Dame running, just following maybe some more marathons and, <laughs> and your competitive running. Hopefully, runniness. someday. Uh, and it, it, you've been a great inspiration. Uh, to not only the last few years of watching you and what it takes in high school to get to where you are. And I'm glad you're able to share this story. Now, hopefully, after we put this podcast live and, and we'll get some more followers after your friends listen to it. Okay. Right? I'll make sure to share it with everyone. Right? We're going to share this. Perfect. Uh, I want to thank our executive producer. Where is he from? Murph Cargis, I always give him props, our executive producer here at the Student Manager, Mia Matsunami, episode number seven. We look forward to hearing from you. You can always email me. You can follow me on Fonger News, right? That's the the, uh, sponsor and host of the Student Manager. And uh, we look forward to getting some more followers and listeners and getting this... uh, this dream and passion uh, continuing on the road. But for now, Fonger News out.